Hello! And before we get into today's episode from last month, uh, I would like to first of all thank those of you who brought the issues with this episode to my attention. Uh, apparently, upon correcting the initial problem with this episode with the missing audio, I somehow created another issue where on everywhere but Anchor and YouTube, this episode appeared as a 10-minute episode rather than the actual two-hour full length of it all. Uh, that includes on Apple Podcast and Spotify. So sorry to those of you who were not watching on YouTube and who did not follow me on Twitter at NBA underscore Rudy and uh, didn't didn't uh, didn't know about all this and also didn't know that I was going back to college in uh, in 2020 because I didn't really mention it on the podcast at all. Uh, so yeah i'm moving from nashville to my college town and that's a bit cumbersome it takes a lot of time a lot of energy a lot of effort so i was focused on that not so much on the podcast and my apologies for that but i promise in 2020 i'll make it up for you Uh, before 2020 you'll get a top 100 players uh of the 2020 season uh review episode where I go over my biggest mistakes on that predictive list from a couple months ago and uh, until then just be sure to subscribe on your preferred listening platform Apple's podcast is the most likely uh, but Spotify uh, YouTube of course where you'll be able to uh, get my video essays which uh, another reason <laughs> I, uh, I uh, put the podcast in the background so I was kind of focused on those while also focusing on the moves. So I have some scripts, but they're not done yet. Sorry. Uh, so, but look forward to those. Subscribe on YouTube. Just search Hustle Points. It's it's me. So until then, enjoy this episode, and thank you so much for listening. Every day I'm hustling. Every day I'm hustling. Every day I'm hustling. Every day I'm hustling. Every day. Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Hustle Points NBA show. I am your unranked teeth of the game, Rudy St. Clair, and joining me today is the one, the only, uh, Emio Tomioni, a streaming nominated NBA storyteller. How you doing today, Emio? Doing great. Really loving this uh, midnight edition here. Oh yeah, we're we're out here podcasting in the dark, the the end of the days. You know, not yeah. not the usual high high morning. You know, early afternoon energy going on here. High morning is that a thing? Whatever. It, yes, it is. It, yes, uh, it is. Yeah. it very much is. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> People can find you, of course, on on your YouTube and 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 on Twitter at Mister Tomioni. And uh, searching the NBA storyteller, and you—if you, you want to know a little bit about behind the scenes, you can go to Patreon.com/slash the NBA storyteller. And, uh, that's a great place. L- yeah, learn learn where the hell you've been forever. And that's, like that's, every other month, I don't even charge. Is. I don't even charge like every other month. That's true. Shut, shut the whole cost down. So, who knows what's gonna happen on the first? Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> get involved. <laughs> yeah, it's it's always a dice roll. Just to see, you know. <laughs> I mean, at the same time, maybe I'll go a month without without posting either. So it's really <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a give and take relationship. So on uh on your Patreon, you know, you uh 
have uh, the rewards of the the Leroy merch to be sent out spring oh. 2019. Uh, how how's the taking down Leroy merch situation ha- going for you? So there's there's this place that I live, and it's 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 I'm tucked neatly between like reality and just jokes, right? non-reality thing a whole plane of existence that just isn't even real right and then sometimes these they just crash into each other um and sometimes i will really i'll sell myself so deeply into the false reality or the narratives that i'm trying to build i'm trying to create reality out of sometimes they just take a hard left and they become reality so there's a long story to leroy smith he is michael jordan's muse the man who, quote unquote, took his spot from Laney High School varsity uh, squad, and uh, ever since that was the the day that Michael Jordan decided he was going to be the greatest basketball player ever, when Leroy Smith took his spot on the varsity team, and ever since then he's never forgotten that man, and he will never let Leroy forget who he is. And every t- every chance he gets, he rubs it in. But meanwhile, he sure takes advantage of that name a lot. Michael Jordan uses the name Leroy Smith quite a bit. They even released a campaign. It was like uh, it was like a phony campaign or a, um, a parody where Charlie Murphy played Leroy Smith, right? And he did this whole motivational commercial as Leroy Smith. And they even released a Leroy Smith sneaker. And I don't even know if it was real. It looks like they did make a couple of them. But my thought is that you can't just live off of somebody's name like that. You can't just put somebody's real name on your marketing campaign, even if it's just jokes. And even beyond jokes, Nike's done numerous campaigns just just pimping out that story of Michael Jordan getting cut at Laney High School for Leroy Smith. You heard that name so much, I figure either Leroy is getting paid every time they use his name, or Michael Jordan in the Nike Corporation or your Jordan brand outright own it. Maybe they just bought Leroy's name. So here I come, and I just want to know. I just want some sort of confirmation, because Leroy is off the grid. And if anybody's going to find him, I will. But in the meantime, I went ahead and designed a whole line of Leroy Smith merchandise on my Teespring site connected to the NBA Storyteller YouTube page right below there. I had some great images with Leroy from high school. I I blur out his face. I had uh, abstract pictures of whales with the name Leroy across it. I was really going for this, and I... Even speaking to my wife about this, she she saw the vision. Leroy could have been something. This line of Leroy. So I tweeted it out. I said, hey, Nike, look at me. I got a Leroy line too, you know. And uh, just hours after I dropped that tweet, the entire line disappeared. It was all pulled from my Teespring site. Mind you, Teespring had already approved all of these shirts when I designed them, because I designed them quite a while ago. I just hadn't really made them available. So they 
that company already approved these shirts. And it wasn't until I tweeted it out when somebody had a second look and took the whole thing down. Now I can't even, they're not, not only aren't they even available, because you can make something that it's not available, they just took the whole product, the whole design. I can't even find the design in my archives. It's ridiculous. And I feel like this is the first shot. I feel like this is the beginning. So you're here at the beginning of this. I don't know what my next step is, but I know it's going to be, uh, it's, I know who it's going to be directed at. <laughs> yeah, last uh, time you are on Hustle Points, we talked about the end a lot. I guess this is the beginning now, huh? I'm t- <sighs> Two months ago, I was winding down. The reason I was winding down is because I'd said a lot. I didn't know if I had a lot more new things to say. I mean, basically, I make five videos. I just keep making them over and over again um, from different perspectives. But I felt like the channel might be done. You know, the end was here. And I thought I had a little good wrap-up to it. But then it's kind of like, I don't know, the system wasn't ready for it to be over. And, uh, you know, whether it's Leroy or just a couple of interesting little partnerships that I have coming up, um, it is definitely not the end. This is part two or chapter three or something, but it's definitely not the end anymore. And that's beyond me. This wasn't some sort of stunt. This was actually going to be the end. But uh, some some things just aren't in your hands. This is not my decision. It's not your decision sometimes. Um, you just got to be open to the people who are making the decisions. <laughs> you got to hear it. So anyway, yeah, that's where we are now. Yeah, I mean... I guess no matter how little it is really in your hands, uh, there there is always going to be something new to say. I mean, it's easy to feel like you're running out of things to say in, in a lot of ways a lot of the time, but I feel like no matter what, ultimately, you're, you or anybody else is going to develop new perspectives, new ideas, new things to say. Sort of, uh, sort of part of the fun of this whole thing of uh of living life on earth here you know is just getting to <laughs> uncover new experiences and and develop new ideas and whatnot it sort of seems like a like something you're you're bound to forever so well you know yeah, that, i don't that think is, the end is real <laughs> that is exactly right that is you're so spot on um and i'm going to use this recording this podcast recording midnight session as my uh my therapy for the the month so that's part of it. It's that it necessarily wasn't that I, I maybe was finished saying things. It's just I found that forcing it wasn't working and trying to form make it a formula has not really worked. And I just, the only way it worked was to just respond when I had an organic idea. And I'm fine with doing that, but then the ideas got thin, and not really the ideas got thin. I just started having different ideas. And the actual idea, and I guess it's being pushed off a little further, was I was going to start a whole new channel. And I wasn't going to necessarily tell anybody. I was just going to start a new channel and see if that could, could do something, if I can make grow that into something. I actually did start the channel. I, 
it's there is another channel out there that is has my content um and one day soon i actually have three videos that i produced that i'm just going to post up there and maybe i'll tell somebody maybe i won't we'll see what happens it's not about basketball though i do talk about basketball because that's one of the ways i've found that i can express myself it, which is weird you probably understand that just the idea that that's it's a means of communication there's so many ways to communicate life through basketball and oh, yeah. you can never just just give that up yeah absolutely that's i mean i've said it on the show before but that's undoubtedly my favorite thing about sports in general uh basketball specifically because it's so easy to adapt two metaphors and analogies to different things in life. Like, you know, you can simultaneously be a hyper conservative person who is also a, someone who in a basketball sense wants to go against tradition and want to embrace uh, new, the new style of play with, you know, more threes than mid rangers by an exponential amount. Uh, because the data says so, and let's say that your, uh, you know, your political ideas are conservatively informed because of some sort of data-driven reasoning or something like that, you know, and and simultaneously you can have all these other different mismatches of uh, beliefs that are applicable to non-sports versus beliefs that are applicable to sports, and that sort of allows you to communicate ideas through basketball or sports in general, exactly like you're saying, and. Uh, I think a lot of people do that more intentionally, but a lot of the times people even do it subtly or on accident, you know, it's just like you accidentally, you know, show your hand as to who you are based on, you know, a sports opinion you have. If you want to like super psychoanalyze somebody, get all Freudian with it, uh, you can do that. It's, it's part, it's part of the game. Uh, for me, at least, I, I tend to read fandom in that context uh, more often than I'd like to even admit. It's a whole, it's a, it's an art form that people don't even know they're particip participating in. One of my failed projects was the full-length uh, documentary film on being a f called Fanatic, which is in, sh it just in shambles, it's just in pieces everywhere. And I got close to actually having it as a single thing even though i was going to release it on uh rudy's uh suggestion in 15 separate parts but it just it just never got there and part of the reason was i had i had big a big vision for it and i needed to speak with people there were very particular people in and around the game of basketball um, not even necessarily celebrities that I just need to speak to to finish these things. And I thought, since nobody responds to me, since I've got no pull in the game yet, um, that I could just fill it in with more me. But it didn't work. I need these other voices to complete the concepts. So that's something that um, may happen in the future. The other part to that, and just to go on a little bit of a side note here, it's all about opportunity, right? I there I have a roundabout opportunity. And this is if everything lines up perfectly. I mean per like inexplicably perfectly. Uh inconceivably perfectly. 
I might have a chance to uh, pitch some stuff to get to uh, Netflix and actually produce some stuff that might get funded and then uh, published on Netflix. And I think, I don't think it's the craziest thing. I think there's a lot of crap on Netflix, but. Oh yeah, um, for sure. I think that not only somebody paying for it to get made and then it having a home and a release, a place to be released. um, That's a big, that's a big step, I think. Um, my goal has always been to get my documentaries uh, on HBO, um, but who knows? Who yeah, cares? I mean, Netflix has been trying to become HBO for the right. last five, six years. So, I mean, it's really the same goal. So through this different little, brand. Oh, right. So through this little, this partnership that I, one of my two partnerships, I've, I have a fun little partnership that I'm going to do. It's a creative um, content production partnership deal with The Athletic, where I'm going to mine through their, their articles and, and uh, make content inspired by their articles, and then we'll kind of, I guess, cross-promote each other. Um, that's something that'll be happening. But then there's another organization that I'm working with that does have that direct connection to uh, Netflix that I'm really, really trying to um, hustle. Yes. And um, hustles intended. Yeah, yeah, right. All 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 pun punsels yeah. in, intended. <laughs> yeah. Um so let's uh break down this this ath- uh, this athletic thing a little bit and then kinda come back to this Netflix idea. Uh tell me more about your uh, your aspirations or not aspirations, because uh, it's a thing that's happening, not a, not a thing that you're wistfuling wishing to happen. Yeah. I know, <laughs> uh, this isn't just I'm not just whip I'm, yeah, I'm not just making this one up right now. This isn't this isn't Leroy before Leroy actually came into my life. This is, um, yeah, they're, they, they rang me up the other day and pitched this idea. Um, I don't, you know, whenever they pitch these ideas, I'm sure they've spoken with other people about it. I don't, you know, who knows, but I always feel like I'm the only person that matters at that time. So it feels special. But, uh, in these situations, they, they're, they, instead of just putting an ad, you know, a lot of these companies, they just want to, put a 30 second ad in the front of your video. They want to produce content together and, you know, I'll use their fancy little graphics or whatever, their little logos to help promote my junk. Um, and, uh, you know, I'll, I got access. They even gave me a, my own subscription so I can read their articles for once. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would hope so. Could you imagine? It's like, yeah, we'll work with you. <laughs> Only if you subscribe to the athletic, though, we'll give you forty percent off. Close, man. I really had to ask though. It's like just so you guys know, I don't already pay for your service. (laughs) Yes. Like I love your headlines, guys. I've you know I've been pissed. I've been told you have plenty of top-notch writers on your staff. (laughs) (laughs) So, oh, and that's the other part of it. With that. They said they would make available the you know some of the writers of the articles, people who were actually involved in writing articles. So I think that's just the kind of inspiration or, or base level push that I think can can get me to do something on a regular mm-hmm. basis. You know, just a, a wealth of interesting approaches to stories because they do interesting stories. I wish I had a couple of headlines with me right now, but they do things that. That 
when I'm scrolling through Twitter, I want to click on. And I click on these articles hoping that, you know, there's no paywall every single time or that there's some limited time freebie that they're going to give me. Um, but it's never the case. But now I get to go through all, through all that stuff and just be inspired, you know. And, it's, and, and with the explicit task of taking their idea and obviously putting my own spin on it. And that's something I've kind of shied away from. Not that I, I think the whole idea, you know, if somebody's done an idea that you have to, that you can't do it, or that, you know, if two NBA YouTubers put out a video about the same topic the same week, one of them's always like, hey, you know, I didn't just do this because the other guy did it. Nobody owns an idea. None of these people own an idea. I think it's ridiculous to ever even have to make that that right, you have a whole video about or, this, and uh, at, at the end of it, you do, list right. off like 137 free ideas or some gross number like that. Yeah, <laughs> yes, I do have. Thank you for you reminded me. I did everything I'm saying. This is the point. I only make five <laughs> videos, or I just keep making it over and over again. So that <laughs> this is the idea that I'm finally going to let myself do that because even though I I promoted or I encouraged people to do that, I wouldn't do it. And I, I felt like I had to approach these ideas from a real personal place or some very particular place that I felt like only I was seeing. Um, but that's obviously not the case. People, everybody's, you know, no, there are no real new ideas. It's just kind of how you talk about it and how you articulate it and how you, um, how you, how you decide to, to tell it, right? Right. So when with these 400 and some odd writers that they have on, you know, paid writers that they have, I'm sure there's six articles that are just screaming my name, just perfectly tailored for me to to go off on. And that's and 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 it again, it's not just a retelling of their article. It's going to be me putting my own spin on the topic and using their article as basically my baseline of information, you know, as my research. Um, because unlike a lot of what I do, I assume the athletic and their editorial process requires research and confirmation of numbers and years and, <laughs> and spellings. So that's, that's, you know, that's, that's all the heavy lifting right there. Right. Right. I, I think you had some sort of statistical claim on one of your videos most recently where like you went through <laughs> year by year after you said like this such and such has it happened in X amount of years and you went through and year by year was like, I'm right. I'm right. I'm right. Not about this though. I'm right. I'm right. I'm right. And this year I forgot about too. I'm right. I'm right. I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was, uh, it was about, I think the, the free agency yes, or something about these was. kids, like yeah. the 2000, Mm -hmm. something free agency having uh, there's a anyway there's a a, a a representation from that free agency class in every um championship for the past 20 something years except for like three of them <laughs> or four of them or something like that yeah that's what it was <laughs> now when you when you put that up actually i'm glad you brought that um you brought that up and remember which video i was talking about uh when you put that out you said something along the lines of like i'm not sure if i'm allowed to put this up yet what was that originally for then? That whole video was commissioned by Hustling. and it was theirs. It was all theirs. They basically sent me a check for it, but I didn't cash their check. 
because right when we were about to have our little deal, which was going to be, they were starting, and this is what I really don't know if I can talk about this. I'll just, I'll, I'll bleep out some, the name in the edit. Oh, you, you know what? Thank you. Yeah, exactly. Bleep that thing out. So they were starting something that was going to involve some content creators and they were going to put content out regularly and regularly. And then they gave me a topic and they really wanted like a seven, eight minute video. Like they even told me. And I made a 15 minute video. <laughs> they asked me to make a video on a important, most important free agency class. And I, and they want it to be short, like I said, like seven or eight minutes. So then what I, here's what I did. This is, <laughs> this is actually what I did. I made a 15 minute video about my favorite draft class because I didn't read their email twice. I didn't double check what they wanted the topic to be on. <laughs> so I made a, a 15 minute video about the 2000 and, uh, uh, 13 draft class, I believe. And, or is it, two, yeah, 2013, I believe. Yeah, uh, and I loved it. I loved this video. I sent it to them. And it, when I sent it to them, that's when I read the email again because I was responding. I was replying to the last email. And I said, I, I said well, I guess I didn't do what you guys asked, but here's a video if you want it. <laughs> and I said, do you want to just take this or do you want me to do the original idea? And at that point, I really didn't have, uh, there wasn't a friendly voice over there yet. It was just some person who was just trying to get through the day. And they just said, do the original topic. And I was like, okay, all right, well, that was an exercise. And then I did do a video on free agency, a uh, year of free agency. And I made a 42-minute video on that. <laughs> <laughs> so I gave that to them and I and I said sorry I just couldn't really stop um, and they loved it and but then right around then uh, that thing happens at companies that that happens it's you know when people uh, at the top have different visions and then they want to fire people they call it a uh, restructuring you know that when the companies restructure so this company had to go through restructuring right as this whole thing was getting settled between us. And um, people got fired. They changed departments around. They developed a whole new creative department and creative strategies. And the entire thing that I was going to be a part of didn't exist anymore. But luckily, the person, there was a person there who was involved in all this kind of back and forth who loved my stuff and he made it through the restructuring. And I went in about two weeks ago and had a meeting because they are close and we're working out another deal. So besides the athletic, which is a sure thing, I'm um, working with this original group again to try and um, produce some decent content. And here's the goal, the athletic, this mystery company, or anybody else, 
all it is is a big old hustle until somebody agrees to pay for my Leroy documentary. <laughs> right. I mean, that's that's the Netflix dream, right? It's just the Leroy documentary. That's that's the only one who's willing to step up and go against Nike. Them are. Uh, <laughs> that's it. I mean, yeah, Athletic might be willing to do it. They got all that venture capitalist money. I mean, all those all those subscribers. Somebody in there. <laughs> they do. They've got. They actually might. Are they even profitable? They might be profitable. Uh, no, no, no nobody's way. profitable. No. Nobody's profitable. Um, they somebody's got to be willing to take that fight on. I mean, you know, it's not. You know, it. It. I know it's powerful. I know you know going against Jordan and Nike is a big deal. Not that we're going against them. I'm just trying to tell the real story of these people. Um, it's not like a whole nation going against China or something. You know, it's like you're just going against Michael Jordan. It's kind of like the China of America. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's that'll be the. The big soundbite of it. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Jordan is the China of America. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, that's. I mean, really, but that's kind of. Listen, if you slander Michael Jordan, he really does act like China. <laughs> I mean, I think it was. I think he just ended the Barkley relationship after Barkley said, you know, he wasn't a good owner or something like that. He just canceled that entire relationship. He will. He remembers shit, and he will eliminate you from the system if he does not. If you say one thing about him, and he remembers it all, he really does. He really embodies that whole, that whole spirit. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, yeah that's uh, scary accurate. The, the more you explain it, the more I'm frightened. I'm going to talk about this in the future. I have to do this. See, this is one of those moments, and or well. It's going to go in the documentary. <laughs> so yeah. if anybody's listening to this who has any power, you know, the Atlantic, you're in the running. That other company, you're in the running. You know, uh, I am producing it already. It already is happening. Like little bits of pieces. You know, I'm recording little things, ideas. And um, whenever I am doing research, you know, I'll, I'll talk through it and record little, little segments and things. I, I just I'm going to get all the material ready before I actually get out and do the real stunts, like uh, showing up to Leroy's front door, um, showing up to Michael Jordan's property, hopefully being able to get kicked out, uh, because that's what you want in one of these documentaries, is that dramatic scene, getting kicked off property, <laughs> you know, somebody shoving their hand in the camera. Roger, <laughs> Roger. Uh, yeah, that's a, okay. I, I think I said enough about that athletic feel there. So, so uh I feel like it would be pretty easy to scale your style of video to the traditional uh, format of like a narration free documentary, even where you just intercut uh, varying visual elements on top of the audio of various interviews, you know, like that, that narration free uh, doc style, uh, because most of the stuff you make now is like heavily founded on narration, but simultaneously, I feel like if you just had even a hunch of an idea of the narrative structure around this and you interviewed the right half dozen people, you wouldn't even have to like have a bona fide script. You could just, you know, create the story in the edit. That's it. Nail on the head. Absolutely. That's the goal. If you, you, you have something, if you can make that type of documentary, I'm not saying that people who include narration uh, don't have something, but, 
usually it's because you don't have you don't have it. You didn't get it. You didn't get the interview. You didn't get the per the right voice to tell the backstory. Um, but that is the goal. I mean, that's what I've attempted to do before. Um, I've I've dreamt of it. I've done a hand uh, two or three videos on the channel that aren't don't have any narration. They're just you know sights and sounds. Um, uh, but that is exactly the style I want to go for uh, in in telling these larger stories. Just letting them hang out there. Just letting them tell themselves. Um, and just being, I, I really don't want to force anybody into one particular idea. I really want to just put information out there and let people love and hate who they, they choose to love and hate. But obviously everything has bias. Every, every, every cut, every edit has bias. It's, you know, it's what I want. Yeah. I mean, the idea but, of a bias free perspective is completely incoherent as far as I'm concerned. When people say they don't want bias in their, in their entertainment media news, what the fuck ever. When people appear to come out against the whole idea of someone being biased, I always think it's just completely fucking silly, quite frankly, because all it's really messaging to the person like me who doesn't believe that it's even possible to have a perspective without bias. I think perspective is based on bias. What you're telling me when you say you want something without bias is that you want something that you agree with. Nothing more, nothing less. Yeah. Nothing that you have to, that makes you think twice. Exactly. If you think twice, then you're, then you're, you're processing something that you weren't prepared or, or, thinking of that you weren't ready for or there was no groove in your brain already worked out for it and then you then you know then you are instantly aware of another person or another perspective so then yeah you register it as bias which is just stupid it is all it's so it's ridiculous especially in sports when people talk about that like i that whole idea and you see it as such as one of the worst replies you know in, on Twitter, in comment sections, on videos, whatever it is, when somebody are like, well, you're biased, like, or you're a something-something fan, so you're biased. It just, it just makes me want to just, just flush the conversation down the toilet. Just, it just wants me to shut, I want to just shut it all down. I don't know how to communicate that in a, in a, in a tweet. The, the, but the rage it makes me feel that that means nothing. What you're saying means nothing. It doesn't mean anything to the conversation. Call, telling me that I'm biased or somebody is biased means it adds nothing. You're taking this conversation nowhere. So anyway, I mean, obviously some people speak from the perspective as a wishful fan. They speak in, in terms of what they want to happen or how they want things to be. But that's very obvious. When people are just talking about player versus player or storyline versus storyline, and then you just try to negate an entire perspective by calling them biased again, like you said, uh, it is, I don't know what you said, stupid? What'd you say? You said you had a perfect word for it, but I forgot what you said. It's just like, just, I mean, I think I used the word incoherent. To, yes. Cause it's absolutely. It's, yes. it's just like, like that's the, that's what a perspective is, is a bias. We all have our individual, uh, you know, semi-unique perspectives that you could just slap your name on. You know, I have a Rudy-based bias. 
you have an MEO based <laughs> bias. It's like we're all biased by nature, by whatever it is that we already fucking think it is. You know, I, I like the Rudy. It sounded good. A Rudy, ba- a Rudy bias, a Rudy based bias. Yeah, <laughs> it sounded like a, it almost sounds like a thing. Like it's an like it exists. Yeah. Oh, uh, it's just a standard Rudy based bias. Rudy yeah. Based. yeah. That's a. That's gonna be my um uh, my drug inspired uh, non basketball podcast. Rudy based bias. <laughs> Rudy based. <laughs> that's a drug inspired. Not okay. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And I'll be a guest on that too. Hopefully. Naturally. Um. It'll be like between two ferns, but it'll be hoops. But there'll be no hoops discussed. Have you seen the the full length movie between two ferns? Oh, uh, it's Netflix? amazing. Oh, yeah, I it love it good. so much. I watched it, it was... uh, maybe like two, three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Oh man, it was my my friend wasn't really into it until like the start of the third act. <laughs> <laughs> it, it took a second. I mean, I was into it just by out of the concept. Like, I they had me for the whole the length of the whole thing. Just the second I clicked on it, I was going to stick it out. Mm-hmm. But finding, yeah, figuring out what its actual perspective was, it took a second. I didn't know how self aware it was going to be um, right out of the gate, and I loved it. Once you realize how self aware it was, how. It almost felt like it was like doing world building for for like a real life talk show, you know, because yes. like the between two ferns is like it's fucking real. You know what I mean? It's yeah. it's not like scripted content, but Zach Galifianakis is, is doing a character. It's the between two ferns host that is Zach Galifianakis. But like that's just right. his humor. But then when you put this film behind it, it completely recontextualizes all of his work. <laughs> Exactly, and I appreciated that so much. I mean, the, one of the most jarring parts of it was—I don't know if you stayed till you saw the little bloopers at the end. Ooh, no, I don't think I did. Nope. Oh yeah, they just—they and I—it's something I've always wanted to see, but I, gosh, maybe I wish I didn't see it. They had outtakes from the interviews where they would break. You know, Zach mm-hmm. would break, or the you know because they couldn't keep a straight face during these interviews, and. It's like there's this extra layer of reality that just or curtain that just gets lifted a- after all that that film of just yeah building that whole world where you're like I, this is all it's all real like even Will Will Ferrell he's he's playing Will Ferrell in there but it's 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 a character but he's playing Will Ferrell and so much of it is true his <laughs> role in it and who he is in the relationship to the actual show but you know it's all just kind of dialed up. But yeah, seeing the outtakes of the actual Between Two Ferns show, um, you know, the celebrity guest, you know, he starts starts laughing for real. Mm-hmm. That was it was it, it broke the uh, it broke the spell a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I but I enjoyed it. Yeah, I think I saw just like the smallest number of those. Like I think I saw like one or two, and then we cut it off because as soon as you said uh, uh, you know outtakes from the interviews, I was like, oh yeah, that sounds way too familiar for me not to have seen it just a little bit at least. Uh, the way I remember is it kind of feeling like getting to see like the raw uncut footage from rather than like, like bloopers per se, because I, I don't, I can't imagine they like ran that for a second take and I was like, no, don't break this time. This needs to be a continuous shot. It's like, no, they just edit that out. And it's like the Eric Andre show where they no, do like two hours did. interview and then just whittle it down to like a really awkward 30 minutes or whatever, you know? 
you know, I've always I've heard that about the Eric Andre show, and I've wanted, I really, God, I'd love to see the the full thing. If those things are really that long, it's insane. But with the the the, the between two ferns, that's how it ran. It was like they stop and they'd redo a take as if it was really that much scripted, and that was what was really weird about it. It felt I don't know that noticing that maybe it's not the case for everybody, but I mean, obviously there's questions and stuff that they edit out, but there were certain parts where he would laugh and then he'd bring it back bring it back to the top and try to get through it again <laughs> i mean i guess you know if you got a good joke you got a good joke yeah but yeah uh let's uh let me ask you this uh how's it feel uh being a streaming nominated now you know you get some some bona fide industry recognition for your work now not just a bunch of uh, a bunch of nba nerds you know when you're in like clubs or school there's all these subgroups or subcategories or like, you know, you have kids You know, I got a couple of little ones and they played little league and they were, you know, in a tournament, there's all these opportunities to win awards or trophies throughout your life. And depending on where you are, there's all these small little worlds that you live in for short periods of time where you can collect your trophies, you know, and then there's this point where you just are dropped into the full world and then the only trophies that are out there or awards are like the legitimate ones like the big ones that everybody can get you know like a nobel peace prize like you know that kind of stuff a, a an oscar you know obviously it's a film award but if you wanted to go into film you could do it but there's these ones that are just available to anybody who wants to go for it you don't have to be eight years old at you know uh a camp at Yosemite uh, in the summer of 1982 to get the to get the medal. You, it's just available, and I figured there. I basically reached the end of my award, my awards. Um, but I got notification a couple weeks ago, a week ago, one week ago, three days ago, one of those things, um, that I was officially a finalist, a nominee for a good old YouTube Streamy Award. And let me tell you, I don't know if it's a big thing, but it seems to be the only legitimate recognized award for the U- for YouTube. And if that's the case, then that's damn significant to me. The other part is it just always felt like, you know, doing my little research and looking back at past winners, a prerequisite is that you had to be established. You had to be, you had to have millions, at least a million subscribers and be one of those guys, you know, one of those regular names that somehow just exist out there in order to win one of these things. But I threw my hat in the, in the ring. I think that's the saying, the hat in the ring. Um, about a you know a year ago or whatever it was six seven months ago when these uh, applications they were taking applications and I just threw it in and I linked to my my page and uh you know uh, checked off a few boxes and called it called it a night until last week and I got all the fancy emails and some some streamies graphics with my channel name on it and they're 
tickets to the Beverly Hills Awards in Beverly Hills on December 13th. And uh, I think I got a real shot at this. I mean, we're rolling with a category. It's a sports category. Five channels. Every other channel has at least 2.5 million subscribers. We are hanging strong at 54,000. Um, and I don't see why on earth they would bring me to this to lose. I don't understand. It's impossible. I don't, I don't get it. Do you see why they would, why would they invite me to this thing or nominate me to lose? Why? Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I mean, you, uh, you do tend to get people to really, uh, get hooked on your content, you know, when, uh, when they do see it. Uh, whenever it, it finds their way to them. I know you just put out that information the other day on Twitter about how around half the people who watch your videos are subscribed. And then you're uh, implying in your tweet that that was a, a relatively low number. Uh, but then MJ2K all day turned around and replied and showed you how it was something like 99 or 98% right. of the people that watch right. your videos aren't subscribed. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's, that is definitely something. Yeah, <laughs> there, that there was, was some, that was some really good information there. Don't exactly know how to break it down and analyze it precisely. There's probably lots of different ways to inform ideas based on the that those little bits of information there. But uh, I think it's uh, favorable towards you, regardless. I mean, I'm just ho- you know, it's what I tell myself, but it's what I tell my my wife. Like, I definitely have t- my you know, I have one kid who's who's uh, making memories and the other one's a little too young but the one of them i definitely told him he's fully aware of youtube and i said you know daddy's got about to win a youtube award he says oh wow (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome oh yeah that's all it's that's it like that's all that i want to even bring him to the awards but i got i literally got an email 30 minutes before we started recording this from the person handling the tickets and she said so you're trying to bring, let me get this clear, you're trying to bring your son to this? She goes, well, some of the content may be a little more PG-13, and then also uh, there's going to be a lot of alcohol served. So, you know, you can bring him, but you definitely want to sh- uh, chaperone him all night. Don't let him free. So I don't know if he's actually going to come or not. I think it'll just be a little uh, uh, mom and dad thing. You know, we'll just go out there, drop the kids off somewhere. But <laughs> you know, I want him to be back there. Alley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe right outside. You can just stand outside there with the fans. Yeah, just, yeah, just like time to a bike rack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I mean, put a little cup, a little cup right in front of him, you know, with the dollar sign. See if you can hand him a ukulele. See yeah. what happens. Just see, see, see if he has the will to learn how to play ukulele. Just <laughs> he come back out. He's a fully grown Jason Mraz. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's how they did it, man. That's how. That's all our parents did it, right? Like, right. That's that's it. <laughs> Got t- tied to bike racks. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the streamies. I you know, people ask where can I vote or what can I? How can I support it? It's too. There's nothing. You can't do anything for me now. It's all over. It's all in their hands. Whoever they are, and I. I I am counting on the fact that whoever decided that I should be one of the nominees, one of the five finalists, um, really likes the channel. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> surely, surely. I mean, it's the only thing that makes sense. It is. There's no reason because I'm telling you, the other ones are big shots, and it they seem almost as like the default. Or okay, we got to fill out this sports category. You know, all right, let's pick this one and this one. You know, I don't even know who half of them are. One guy, I I went on his channel, and the last video he posted was, I spent a week with Antonio Brown. And I'm just like, what? Like, that's, how do you get that? Does that mean I can have that access now? Like, I (laughs) I want to spend a week. (laughs) Like, can I spend a week with him? Like, is that... Yep. Is, is, Maybe you can finally get those Leroy connects now. This is what's going to open is what the door for you. <laughs> All I want is a Leroy connect. I want. I need Leroy. I need Randy Brown. Yeah. Well, Randy Brown definitely under- exists, so I feel like that's possible. <laughs> we don't know about Leroy. You know anybody? Anybody you might know Randy Brown? No, I I, I know like seven people. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. All right. Okay. Well, in, just in case. In case it turns to eight people, just, you know, <laughs> let me know. And the next person I bump into is going to be Randy Brown. It's going to be Randy <laughs> Brown. That's it. At the bus stop. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about the whole thing that uh, inspired your uh, your appearance on this podcast is uh, the whole the whole China debacle. China, LeBron, that, that whole situation. Daryl Moy or Moray, however you want to pronounce it. Uh, it's more right? week ago. Yeah, some some pretty strong thoughts, and I think that uh, you know, just based on reading your tweets, I don't know how many of my tweets you've read. I haven't really tweeted that much about it, other than maybe a, just a couple overly thorough arguments with people on Twitter, which right, you know, right. a very good way to spend my time. Uh, I actually believe that. I said it like it was sarcastic because that's how most people feel, but I do sincerely believe it's a fine and good use of my time. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> But uh, I think we're on we're kind of on different sides of this. Like I think we might be in the same uh, quadrant on whatever you know two dimensional spectrum uh, right. exists on the on this matter. But I I think we're we're not quite on the same page though. So I'm curious. What are what are your or, thoughts? Uh, you said yeah. you're you're are, burning are with with, uh, with what you could what you could talk about like as if it was it would be endless. But you're telling me before we start recording that now you you kind of ironed it out. Well, I. I I've been, sometimes I don't pay attention to what anybody else has to say in in depth on topics. You know, I just, until I get a chance to just get it out. But I did encounter enough people, thoughtful people, and realize that what I'm thinking and feeling isn't, it's, I feel like people are coming around to a more well-rounded understanding of how this all went down and how to not just hate people because of any of this and not just, and it's not, and I, I'm not even, I can't say the word cancel culture on a podcast. I think that's just (laughs) the, it's too cliche. Like, that's the thing. Like, Let's talk about cancel culture on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) We're not stooping to that level. No. no. (laughs) Um, But it's it's not about cancel culture. It's about people putting people in boxes, I think. It's the idea that 
because a person act, acted or did a particular thing on a Tuesday, now they are a particular type of person forever and in perpetuity and ret- retroactively. They are now this person. It's kind of like the whole MVP thing. I think I laid this out the other day um, in some video. Oh, it's on Amino, Amino the Amino app. I did a one-minute video on the Amino app. That's another deal I have that I'm working out. I do one-minute videos on Amino, the Amino app. Go ahead and download that. Find me, the NBA Storyteller. I don't know how you download it or find me, but just do it. Anyway, so the video I was talking about is the whole idea about day one of the new NBA season. This new NBA season, 2019, day one, opening night, who is the MVP the NBA MVP. Who is it? Who's the NBA MVP? Who do you think it is, Rudy? Giannis. It's right. You'd think so, right? You would think. Day one of the 2019-2020 season, the Toronto Raptors are the current NBA champions, and Giannis is the NBA MVP until he's dethroned, right? But that's, but that's not how the MVP works. Unlike the championship where you are dethroned on the last day of the season or you repeat and you can now take ownership of that trophy that was only handed out on that last day of the season. You only become the champion that last day. The MVP is a retroactive award. And once you win it, you will now be the MVP for that entire season throughout history. So when we look back at the 2019 season, in the year 2025, we'll never say that Giannis was the MVP on day one because we will know who the MVP is. But we don't know who it is now, even though it's already determined to be somebody and it's not going to be the Giannis or the incarnation of Giannis that we are projecting now. Does that make any sense? No, yeah. I see what you're saying. It's uh it's, it's MVP, not a, yeah. it's not an award you defend. Your your reign of MVP ends as soon as you get the trophy. Your your the season you the MVP was the season that already happened. And your name gets re- written on top of those days retroactively. Like you now go back throughout history and when you're writing the story of that season, the previous season, you can say this was Giannis's year. But he has zero claim to this new year. But whose who's is it, right? Well, we'll find out at the end of the year. And it's kind of nuts because you want to have an MVP. You want to be able to say these things. And you want to act like there's a reigning MVP. But there's a reigning MVP until there's not because all of that history will be erased. Giannis will have no claim. Let's say Steph gets it this year, you know. Giannis will have zero claim to this year. All the times we've mentioned him, we'll have to basically erase that because he will have no claim to this year anymore because since day one, it will have always been Steph. We just didn't know it. Point is, that's not how the rest of the world works. If you screw up or say something inartful or don't want to participate in something on one day, it doesn't rewrite your entire history and you don't become something new, or you don't become something that is now determined and say that you were always this one thing. And you got people like LeBron and even James Harden and all these other people, and somehow Daryl Morey's just, I guess, you know, a saint or something, at least, I don't know, to some people. 
um, people are trying to make LeBron into something that he's that he's not. They're trying to make him into. They're trying to pit the things he's doing now against to against all the stuff that he's accomplished. It's already in the books. You know, all the good that he's already done is good. It's already been good, and it's already done. And you can't take that stuff away. And you have to be able to weigh that when you're making your assessments of who he is. And people calling him a sellout, and they're saying, oh, well, when the money's involved, you know, he's going to do this, or whatever it is. And it's just never that simple. I really see it as... At this point, Daryl, Daryl, I'm just going to call him Daryl. Daryl really should have just waited. And whatever program he was watching that afternoon, whatever he was doing, scrolling on Twitter and putting his little opinion out there, he should have just waited. We literally had players going to, or were they already in China at that point in time? Yeah, they were already in China, LeBron James included. And this is what I feel about LeBron. LeBron never took the full step back to a, to appreciate the bigger issues here, the actual human rights issues, right? And he just kept it personal. And he was just, and he was, and seems to be mainly upset about the conduct and the position that he and his teammates and and people... Mind you, mind you, not just players, not just a bunch of millionaires, because you're like, people, I've seen this too, because, you know, they say, oh, well, you know, we were in danger out there. You don't want to put us in a dangerous situation out there since while we're in the country. You know what? Not everybody who is out there on behalf of the NBA is a millionaire. Not everybody out there has means. There's a lot of lower level staff and people and production and, and, ball boys or whatever it is, anybody else, there's people who aren't millionaires who are also out there and also represent the NBA and may not have the connections to waltz out of China um, just as easily. So yeah, when you say people might have been in danger, yeah, maybe there were. Maybe LeBron might not have been, but there were more than more people than just LeBron out there. But I feel like he took it personal. He took that interaction personal and he basically kept his feelings on that personal level and never rose to the higher discussion. And I don't blame him for that. I don't blame him for that at all. I don't think it's on him. I think the man speaks on things that he knows. And the other part is the other part that I see over and over again is this whole idea that, Oh yeah, well they said they didn't know much about it. Oh, we can't speak on it because I don't know all the the details. Um, we'll go Google it, you know, Go find out about it. Oh, and even for a point, I was thinking, yeah, well, ask them a week later and they should be able to say something different. You know what? It's not on them. It's not It's not on the NBA players to be the the arbiter of, of what's right and wrong in China. It, it seems so... Uh, cheap and contrived to put that on the back of these players when there's a whole system of actual decision making and control 
and money, layers of money, above them or in offices that should really be answering the questions, if anybody really cared beyond a soundbite. But what people just wanted was the soundbite and the opportunity to either call somebody a hero or call somebody a villain. They wanted people to be, and this this goes all the way into to you know Hong Kong itself. I mean, I, I was reading somewhere there that there were people, protesters, who were anticipating, looking forward to hearing what LeBron had to say because they anticipated him actually sticking up for them and coming out on the side, you know, of what's right. And that's a tough spot to be in, man. And they say, well, yeah, he's spoken out against Trump and he's campaigned for Hillary and he's spoken out against um, police brutality and all these things. And now he does this. Now he's, well, you know what? That's kind of how people work. Is it a problem that he didn't come put together a better statement? You know, something that could have appeased all sides? Yeah, he's got enough people and professionals around him, at least he should, where somebody should have just snapped him out of it and said, hey, just say this, say this. You know, this will work. I mean, it seems like Steph, I think Steph got out of it pretty clean. Um, even Steve Kerr, you know, he got a little flack for acting like he didn't know much about it, but he got out pretty clean. It's funny. Uh, no, James Harden is catching a little, I feel like he's getting residual flack because didn't he just come out and flat out apologize to China? Yeah, he was like, we love China. We love everything about China. But like, I mean, I don't think anybody who's being honest about it really thinks that he's talking about the Chinese government. <laughs> You know, he's not but talking about it. the Communist Chinese Party. <laughs> that is exactly it. These guys have a very particular, and this is the other part, these guys have a very crafted, orchestrated experience with this country. They go in these performance groups, and they see what they're allowed to see. They see a bunch of fans who adore them, and they have this experience that is a completely it's it's completely crafted but it's it's a it's a different experience and they are having this firsthand and a lot of these players have had this experience in china and i feel like saying something simple like you know oh yeah china you know great it's great whatever especially from james harden perspective it's not far-fetched it's not a crazy thing to say but we all want them to have a worldly perspective and some sort of bigger um just higher morality beyond their own world and what they've seen. But then you, but then that's the whole reason. That's the whole reason that LeBron James has been involved in anything. You know, he speaks on stuff that he sees that he's aware of. He, the act activism that he is actually acted in is stuff that's been touched his life or been close to his life. And I bet if, you know what, if he took a stop off in Hong Kong or, he actually met some protesters or met some people that have been uh, affected or extradited back to China and, you know, all this particular stuff. They met, then I bet he would have a slightly more evolved perspective. But assuming that our basketball players are going to have the default higher morality and perspective at any given moment, it's just not fair. It's not fair. It's not his money he's messing around with. It's it's the the fifteenth man, you know. It's the it's the guy in the on the social media team that that is 
only able to be hired because of all that extra Chinese money. You know, there's a lot of people in the NBA who aren't millionaires who rely on the money that comes in. And when you're LeBron James or whomever, you're not just speaking for yourself. You know, and even and I'm talking about this. Maybe you could have crafted some sort of way to 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 appease everybody. Even that's weaselly. Even that's a weaselly thing to do because your the ultimate goal is to say something and not upset the Chinese, but also wink, wink to the rest of humanity and say, you know, I got your back. You know, I know what's right. But then at the same time, not a fit like what it's all uh, some level of weaselly behavior. And it's irresponsible of one individual who is a willing participant in this wink-wink relationship with China to just put him on blast completely, like, unaware, which is Daryl. And it just seems like that Twitter activism is one... It's not like he's... Has has he been doing something? Has he been actually, uh, actually supporting the protests or the cause in any particular manner outside of his thumbs. I don't think Daryl Morey should be getting all that much credit for tweeting something. He really didn't take that much of a stand. He did the literal least possible. And I think that in that manner where he's not even putting himself, his physical body out there on the line or in support of something, I think feel like that's where you can say, you know what, maybe your little thumb, your little thumb, uh, activism your little twitchy thumbs there could have waited a week if you just would have just paid attention to what's going on in your business obviously we all know what's right and what's wrong and who's being the complete jerks here we get it we all get it so i don't know why we all can't have that kind of same winky wink behavior and we have to act disingenuous half the time when we're evaluating these people we know the dance some of these players have to do and they know it and what, we just get to act like there's not multiple things that they're juggling? And then these thousands of people can just say money. Oh, it's the money. Oh, it's the money. You know what? Sometimes, sometimes it's the money. Sometimes it's the access. Sometimes it's the influence. And to be able to shut down potentially an entire nation or uh, one-sixth of the Earth's population from your sport by acting a little reckless, I don't think it's really a, a good idea to just completely kamikaze that entire deal and just go, just completely say, you know, screw China, they're effing everything up. You know, th there's no point. There, we can have our, our discussion, we can wink, we can know without completely blowing it up. When at the same exact time, every major corporation in this country is having the same exact winky-winky deal. We all have the same deal. But we all wanted to be disingenuous around the same time and act like, well, LeBron James is the only person out there who's uh, condoning any of this behavior. Anyway, okay, I think I said a lot there. No, yeah, and you're being totally fair, too. Uh, first off, I definitely agree that, you know, Daryl Morey should have waited a week because it, it is irresponsible to to do that sort of uh that that anti Chinese government tweeting when the NBA has uh you know their their feet on the ground in China I, I think that's just you know silly irresponsible given you know 
being able to just sort of being a, a slacktivist myself, you know, it's, it's easy to, to send <laughs> off, you know, a tweet and feel righteous about it. it it's harder to, to take action in general, but when you're in someone as high of social standing as, as Daryl Morey, and when I say social standing, I really mean just economic standing more than anything else. He has the means to, to do some sort of a, some sort of meaningful support beyond that, of course. And so to see that even somebody with that sort of power is uh, capable of just doing the thoughtless retweet of, uh, you know, oh, this looks like a generally good thing. I agree with this retweet, you know, is is uh, very humanizing. And, and I understand that element of it especially. Uh, but for LeBron to be so just completely unaware of the, you know, surface level, you know, potential hypocrisy happening with, him talking about Daryl being misinformed and and uh, not caring about uh, people in danger and like that, you know, not being aware enough as he's shown a track record of being as far as like understanding how the media is going to take his messaging because he's been in the in the brightest spotlight of the media since he was like fucking 15 years old or whatever you know what i mean he he speaks the language of the of the press talking to him i think you know you have like either a whole video or a segment about just that whole concept in and of itself actually i think it's 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 a tucked away in that michael jordan uh best angle you never saw video uh talking about how lebron interacts with the with the media he's he's very literate very aware of of these things and so for him to bother to make a comment at all while also not being informed enough on the on the topic to really say something that feels crafted is surprising at best and uh, I can't I can't think of really the most appropriate worst adjective um, but I, I think the the worst real consequence of LeBron deciding to say exactly what he did, is that he put himself in a position for all these people who were telling him to shut up and dribble six months ago or what the fuck ever to then double back and practice a little bit of intellectual freedom, if you will, and be, you know, hypocrites in and of themselves by calling LeBron a hypocrite for not wanting to speak up for uh, the oppression in Hong Kong when they were saying themselves that he doesn't need to speak up on, on anything. Uh, the, the worst thing that comes from LeBron's comments is how he enabled people who, you know, are probably racist or just really fucking dumb in not liking LeBron, uh, to have a reason to hate LeBron for not, uh, for, for siding with, with Asian people. You know, it's like it, you want LeBron to shut up and dribble or do you want LeBron to take a stand for those who are oppressed? Why does it matter which people it is that you're going to support? You know, he, he put himself in a position where he can be a leading story on fucking Tucker Carlson's program. You know, <laughs> it's it's absolutely ridiculous. And I think he should know better than to say something that can be so misconstrued gather so much negative press, paint him in, in such a such a light for some people's perspectives that he should know better to either just lie and say the NBA is not going to let me say much on this so I can't really say anything at all or to just simply no comment his way 
uh, until him and his team did craft some sort of, you know, hyper specific messaging that either tried to appease both sides or to, you know, dance around uh, whatever message he needs to dance around in like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge way. It was just so surprising to see him stumble so hard in his comments to the media, uh, both in real time and in his tweets that he made to follow up. I felt like the only thing that came of those tweets really was that he really tried to cover his ass in saying that he was not talking about the practices of any government in his comments. He was talking about the practices of Daryl Morey specifically. But even then, when people bring up this whole situation, it's still at least a little bit telling. Like you said about how he never really took it from a perspective beyond his own, you know, never, never zoomed out and saw the macro of it. And, and that the first thing that comes to mind when people ask him about this whole China situation is to come out and put Daryl Morey on blast. Right. <laughs> like that's, that's <laughs> thing number one that comes to mind. And, and so while there, there's lots of things that we're on the same page on here, I think the biggest thing that distances our opinion is that, I think LeBron has set himself up to have that standard held to him to where the Tucker Carlson's of the world almost have a little bit of a point. You know, it's like, sure, they're being hypocrites themselves and bringing up LeBron's hypocrisy, but they are pointing out LeBron's hypocrisy nonetheless. I can't disagree with anything. Anything. Because you're, number one, a reasonable, a reasonable person. And I don't think you subscribe to um, disingenuous analysis, which is just roles. We all play these little roles, right? Of Where course. We see something and then we say, okay, this is my opportunity to call somebody out here. This is the role I can play right now. Just like you said, the the people who were saying shut up and dribble, they see this little window now where they can... Say, oh, well, I thought you were the something-something guy. You get to blah, blah, blah. When we... We all know... We all know the side... the What's pulling on all the sides of this. We all know the issues here. I don't see how... And this, this is the case in... There's something... There was something... Uh, some situation I could have made a really good comparison to. But the point is, if we all know who the players are and what the people want, why can't we accept when somebody is playing the game that we all know everybody's involved in? We have to fall into our roles. And I think, like you said, part of it is because there's a lot of assholes and racist people are just dummies or opportunists who are going to jump into their little disingenuous roles and 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 vilify somebody and you know what they have power they do have weight they they are able to to shift narratives and then just just pester people into you know people who want to defend lebron people who are interested in keeping his name clean or keeping him in a positive light. Like now we, now people just, we, sometimes it's me, sometimes it's not. We have to argue, argue with these people. You know, you can't just ignore all this stuff all the time. So it's just the, the, the burden of having to argue this stuff 
But something that LeBron did, and you mentioned it perfectly, which was his reaction was to go right at Daryl. But this is this is right on brand for LeBron. Everything else that he involves himself in is in his view. He's staying, he stays local, right? These are the things that he involves himself in are the things that are right in front of him. What has happened is those things that are right in front of him have also become national issues. Um, even even um, when he was campaigning for Hillary, he's doing that in his backyard. He's doing that locally. Um, and I've always thought that was a double-edged sword, not only just um, being anti-Trump and, you know, pro, uh, I don't know, not horrible people. And then also the other side of it was that his, the owner of that team was all in on Trump and, and, and using the whole, the, the Cleveland cube. What's that guy's name? Dan Gilbert, um, for, for Trump fundraisers and stuff like that. So I just felt like this was also being brought onto his, into his backyard uh, that whole issue there. So it, once again, it's right in front of him. So when this ha happened, for him to immediately address it in a personal manner, like, what about Daryl? Like, are you gonna find that guy? Like, that's on that's on brand. It's it's what's right in front of him, and it, it's actually con pretty damn consistent. If you're trying to find consistency in somebody, the man deals with what is right in front of him. And maybe that's something to be respected. You know, you know, people talk about staying in your lane and there's good and bad reasons to, there's good reasons to stay in your lane and there's reasons you should never stay in your lane. But when you're trying to be an athlete, right? And also do good in the world some of the best things you can do are just deal with the things that are that you know you know don't overextend yourself and it just got to be such a hot button issue such a hot issue and so convenient you know the nba and then these celebrities and of course the nba now has the biggest celebrities in sports right the most recognizable people because it's not like they're running around to the nfl asking people or uh i don't know the major league baseball who they have deals don't they have deals for players and stuff i feel like all these leagues have some sort of relationship um they're not running around to these people they weren't didn't start running around to all the actual politicians who developed and craft our actual policy and getting them every single one of them on the record they weren't doing that they're all running to lebron james and at the same time where i wish that he would have had something more crafted, something a little more polished. All that is doing is saying, I wish he would have played the game a little better. I don't even feel like I'm being genuine when I say that. Him just disregarding it and just playing it in what's in his front yard, which is the, the Daryl issue, and how the NBA, his actual job and bosses and people handle these things, you know, because Daryl screwed something up at work. I feel like, that's what he does, and the fact that he's stuck to that kind of shows me that he's being the guy that he always is, you know? I'll deal with that issue that's right in front of me. 
if something that's big and worldly and national actually ends up right in front of me, like I said, if he actually had more exposure or something like that, um, he might have a uh, the interest or the time or the the just the 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 will to to be out there and 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 buck the system, right, or go against um, the position of the NBA. But he he's the, he's just everyday LeBron dealing with what's in front of him, you know. He's he's that's who that guy is. So I almost appreciate it in in its consistency. Yeah, the tweets and stuff like trying to clean it up. Then you ought to. But what is that? He's just playing the game, and then we all get mad about how good or bad did he play the game, and we all we're all disingenuous about what we want to consider and not consider as playing the game. That's all it is. You know, we all know that when Steph said his piece, he just really didn't want to get involved in it. So he's like, you know what, I don't really know much to talk about it right now, blah, 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 blah. And we're like, yeah, we okay, sure. But we all knew it. We knew what he was saying. We get the point. Yeah, and when you bring up, uh, you brought up a little bit earlier about Steve Kerr. You, uh, you said Steph kind of reminded me a little bit about this, but how he basically said, you know, I don't know enough about this to really make a comment. And then people did come back, you know, a few days later and ask again, and he followed it up with, you know, an analogy to how people over there don't comment on our problems per se. And, you know, for that point in and of itself, sure, whatever. But the, the real thing I want to talk about regarding that is how much can we reasonably expect people to inform themselves in general, whether it be Steve Kerr, LeBron James, Stephen Curry, you, me, or whoever the fuck else, you know, like to say, Oh, well, I need to have a better understanding of this topic in order to, to, to answer it. I feel like having that sort of uh, perspective on anything that's uh, an intimidatingly complex or important or both, uh, topic is one that leads itself into sort of dogmatic centrism where you sort of live in this middle zone of, you know, the wink, wink, nudge, nudge, even when you're not really being aware of it, uh, where you want to take the, you know, the goods, the good things about both sides that are like, you know, effectively consequentially and in reality, uh, mutually exclusive things. Right. Mm -hmm. Like appeasing China uh, comes with uh, basically uh, being, signing off on the genocide of Muslim people over there or the generally fascist tendencies that, that the government practices. Right. Or specifically that, you know, this topic is uh, all started on is um, this particular law that has caused uh, such an uproar in China to not China, excuse me, uh, to Hong Kong uh, of China trying to suppress their free speech uh, through, through this law that's been proposed. And I can't help but feel like with LeBron specifically, it's entirely fair to not expect him to become, you know, suddenly some uber literate historian on, on the relationship between uh, Hong Kong and China, right? No one expects that of him or of Steve Kerr, but I, I can't help but feel like based on the, the morals that he's, uh, 
attached to his brand. Uh, you talk about being on brand and I see the consistencies that you're talking about when you say that. But when I hear on brand, I think of the the ideas that he stands for, you know, this man of the people, this Muhammad Ali-esque of, of our age, uh, right? And so I can't help but think that if LeBron was in any way exposed to the knowledge of the whole conflict between Hong Kong and China right now, that he would, if not right away, eventually, hopefully in a, in a time frame of which it, it's still significant and, and matters in any way, would come out and be less eager to say something that could come off as being uh, pro-China and really make a pretty clear uh, pro-Hong Kong message. I, I feel like that's more on brand for him if he was going to comment on this on this at all. So that's the real thing when I when I say I'm upset with him not saying something more measured. It's less about you know oh I wish he said something that would would have been more forgettable and appeasing to both sides. What I'm really saying is like in an ideal world, just for me in my vision of who I think LeBron is. I feel like if he were to say anything other than no comment, it would have been something that's pro Hong Kong. And so to to have that sort of expectation, uh, like you were saying, some people in Hong Kong expected uh, LeBron to come out and uh, and uh, side with them, uh, and to see him come out and talk about Daryl Morey instead is a a little bit more disappointing than just like a, him not playing the the game of subtleties correctly. And more like, wow, this is shocking because it doesn't seem like the the person I've I thought I've gotten to know. How much does it matter about LeBron or in any individuals in any individual players' actual experience in China in terms of shaping their uh, or at least fueling their passion to be involved in this issue? Let's say, you know. China Clay, you know, he's been going there for years or any of these players who have these great, you know, relationships with the people uh, and their even business in China, you know, um, if they are having a firsthand experience that's overall positive and good, especially because they're actually meeting the people, what do you, how do you think that weighs in, in real life in their perspective on this i mean we still i still think that when if it all comes down to it we're all thinking the same thing that we all get who the bad guy here is even lebron should get it if somebody sat him down and talked to him about it but the fact that i've never i don't i've never had a good experience i can i can i can categorize china in you know in uh, a couple of quick sentences about how I feel about the whole damn nation based on how I feel about their government, right? But if I'd spent every summer there with the people, speaking about the whole nation of China or just China as an entity uh, might be more difficult. And I might, I don't know, what. how do you think that weighs in on actual people's actual assessments of china these players and something that gets lost i think is that and i'll keep hammering this this idea that lebron deals with what's right in front of him 
and maybe it's a, a defect, but in a way, he was standing up for his fellow players. He's standing up, or at least trying to defend the role of the players versus the owners or the people who really should take responsibility and why aren't you actually doing anything, which on a completely different day, on a completely different summer day, would be a issue that society cared about. You know, are the owners uh, unjustly treating or getting over on players, you know, some sort of player versus owner concept there, which we've done. We've been around. We've we've been dancing around these issues and sometimes they matter, sometimes they don't. Um I still to this day don't know why it is not a deal why nobody gave a shit about the NBA putting out that memo after uh after um the f- uh the first summer or first few months with um the big NFL kneeling controversy I mean obviously I mean when it got to be a national issue and the the NBA puts out a memo going into the season saying don't you even think about kneeling they said they they presented the rules that were already in there apparently and made sure everybody was aware that we will not condone any sort of protesting during the national anthem. We expect you all not only just to be not protest, but to be standing out there. And that didn't, that nobody batted an eye. And that was because the players were carrying the weight of the NBA's image by speaking out on their own time and in their own space and wearing shirts, you know, in certain in, in moments and, and actually doing things on so, in social media or in their own lives. But the NBA drew a hard line, a harder line than the NFL was able to draw because people were still defying the NFL's what they wanted, but nobody crossed the NBA's line. But the point is, this whole line between what's what the owners are able to do versus what the players are expected to be able to do and what's finable, that, that's an issue that on another day would be, would be a whole round of podcast topics across the nation, you know. But the fact that this issue with Hong Kong and and China and the the actual real world um, global issues happens to be a little bigger than that, we look at that sub issue as not a big deal right now, and really we shouldn't be focused on that. But it's like it's like that you know the union rep or something who's always every day fighting for his union, regardless of whatever the issues are beyond in the world. Like my day, my job is to go out and fight for the, you know, the teacher's union. I don't care if there was a tornado or a hurricane or global warming. My issue is getting, you know, pencils in classes. That's what I do. And I feel like that's the hat LeBron really wears is looking out for those ones right in front of him and right around him. But we went ahead and gave him this worldly hat that says that includes every issue and everything that that even uh, flirts with uh, the concepts of, of, of right and wrong is uh, apparently supposed to be something that he, he can and should address. And I, I feel like that was put on him 
everything you said is right because somebody in his team should have known that. And but I appreciate these players that live in their own world sometimes. Some some of these I call them bubble people, right? They don't actually they don't actually have let input in, right? They it works in sports a lot of times. It doesn't work in politics so much, but these people who can just push forward outside of all the criticism and all the negative things that people are saying, just continue to push forward, there's this level of, sh- of this ability to shut things off that they have, I believe. And it's helped them get this far. And for LeBron, he's had to have an acute ability to shut things out and not listen to so much of society or people ever since he was nine or whatever it was. People judging him and laying out how his entire life was supposed to go and how his friends are, are uh, all shit and shouldn't be involved in his life. And whatever it is, he's shut so much off that now we're in a position where it looks to me like he's staying focused on what's right in front of him and not really paying attention. And this this is the first time. I don't Has he been on a, on a global issue before I feel like this all happened so fast where LeBron became Muhammad Ali 3.0 and I I don't I don't think that he's really sure I mean it's we're in like the the bona fide fourth or fifth act of of LeBron's career you know he's had a not exactly your traditional three-act narrative structure to his life he's it's been going on so long he's had such a long story we're entering act four or five now depending on how you break it up and it's like should he eventually grow into this highly important globally influential figure is is still to be determined absolutely you know the the story is still unwritten and i think you're right It, it it is we uh, it is what people like me uh, want from him. You know, it's like, like I said, if I could have some sort of idealistic uh, version of events, it would be one where LeBron stands with Hong Kong, but it's just not that simple. You know, that's just uh, the, the, the easiest high moral bar to cross is, is that one for sure. But it's not exactly easy to picture the negative nuance of uh, the the potential consequences that come out of that it's like there's a a couple philosophical concepts that really like work into this whole situation pretty well and uh, the one that comes to mind for me uh, is just sort of the 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 nature of trying to be utilitarian in, in how problematic it is and that we have no real uh, knowledge of what the true consequences are going to be of our actions. And another one is a sort of a more specific and much more modern concept is uh, one coined by uh, Peter Singer. It's called effective altruism. And it's what I think of when you talk about LeBron only dealing with the things that are directly in front of him. Uh, and that, yes, there, there is something definitely admirable in trying to stick with what you know, because that's, in theory, what is uh, an, what are the areas that you're going to be able to have the most uh, knowledge in and be able to 
uh, do the most good, right? Because you understand it already. But uh, Peter Singer talks about taking that to the next level and making what you know being more thorough, more expansive, uh, more big picture oriented and figuring out what the most good you can do with the lowest amount of resources uh, that's, that's possible. I think the example that he gives in the actual work that, that uh, he, he, he wrote to coin this concept was one where he talks about uh, being able to cure preventable diseases that cause people in uh, less developed countries to go blind. I think it's just like basically a treating glaucoma, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you know, you could prevent somebody's blindness for about $40. And it's like, well, if I spend 400 bucks a month on keeping people from going blind, then I'm keeping, you know, I'm saving 120 people's vision a year. I think that's a lot of good. <laughs> uh, where, you know, that that's hard to do if you never uh, uh, uncover the that opportunity by trying to expand your knowledge on on areas where you can where you can do good and i think for somebody like lebron it's easier for for him to to have the opportunities to expand his his worldview uh because it's something that obviously he you know either cares about or people think he should care about or uh, and it's because he has all these resources right like he has a whole team of people close to him that have not only his interests in mind but like his his visions interest in mind, you know, who he wants to eventually become. They're on the same wavelength with him because they've been riding with him since the beginning. And because he has that that sort of team behind him, that and and because that he seems to be somebody who's thinking in, in terms of like big picture, the fact that we can even consider it as a possibility for him to be this globally influential person is telling to the ways that he's strived for greatness and in ways that, you know, those before him never really, really imagined. You know, that's that's something that really separates him from the rest of the pack. If you want to talk about the greatest of all time, whatever the fuck that means to you. Uh, if you want to talk about off-court stuff, factoring into that grand scheme equation, he's definitely absolutely carved a way for him to be the leader in in that category, you know, depending on how your rubric works, maybe that makes him, you know, better than Michael Jordan for you in spite of his finals record. Because isn't that what this all comes down to, his legacy? LeBron is the most legacy-aware athlete of all time. And so for him to 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 fumble on this is uh, might be his the off-court equivalent of his 2011, you know, summer. <laughs> where, where, you know, where he couldn't figure out his own defense in the finals. <laughs> This is the zone zone defense of social issues, I guess. <laughs> yeah, social yeah. zone defense, you know, <laughs> Hong Kong versus China. <laughs> oh, wow. You know, you said something there and it I really want to I I need an answer. Has anybody asked Michael Jordan what he thinks about all this? I feel like hell no. he would of give. Of course not. If they have, nobody's reported on it. You know what I mean? Like, I think he's too busy making a tequila brand <laughs> with Jeannie Buss and some other people. 
Is that true? Or is that just... Uh, yeah, <laughs> man. No, no, that is real. Him and... They, they did this whole little story about, like, how, uh, you know, they, they conceived the idea while drinking tequila together. And it's like, oh, yeah, I like tequila. I like tequila. We should make tequila. Just a bunch of fucking billionaires <laughs> sitting around. Like, oh, yeah, that'd be a good idea. That's our story. And that's why we named it whatever the fuck we named it. I don't even remember. It, it's something... So it's like Amigos or some shit. <laughs> like it, it's just, uh, it's nothing. Oh, that's such a waste. It's so stupid. <laughs> oh God. Do you, uh, I, I do. Michael Jordan's had some good ventures. He's, you know, I don't know anybody who hasn't at least encountered the Michael Jordan cologne at least once. And then also I used to, I actually went to a Michael Jordan steakhouse many, many years ago at Grand Central Station in New York City. And it was delicious one of the first steaks I'd ever have um, in my life. It was a long time ago. And it always blew my mind. I was like, this is a, why, is, why is Michael Jordan involved in this? I mean, he was Shaq before Shaq, you know, except like Shaq just does anything. You know, he's the general. He's doing whatever crappy uh, brand comes knocking at his door. Um, but Jordan... Right, right. Shout out to Damian Lillard for dropping... Bars and <laughs> throwing Shaq under the bus for for exactly that. He definitely had some sort of general bar, <laughs> and that whole rap beef that went on like a week before all this LeBron China stuff happened. That's a huge part of why people are talking about this too. Is that it's just the slowest time in the NBA news cycle, right? Other than fucking August, is the preseason perfect filler? What are we What are we gonna learn in the preseason? That Zion's not a joke. Okay, cool. <laughs> that Tyler Hero can hit three points and three three pointers in four minutes. Fucking neat. Like LeBron says something that could be interpreted as pro Chinese government. Yeah, yeah, that's gonna be the leading story for three, four, five, six. That's days. it. Let's do that. But as soon as the game gets started, you know tonight. Uh, on this on this midnight recording where it's on the eve of the season and by the time this releases it's going to be a week into the season i doubt by the time this releases that this is still going to be a leading story i think people will still be talking about it right it'll still have some buzz behind it but i don't think any i don't think tucker carlson's talking about this in a week no zero percent chance i don't think he talked about it you know beyond the first day uh, I mean, what did it take? One LeBron pass, you know that little that nutty pass he he dropped a couple days ago, where he's flying to the basket and oh, flipped yeah. it over his head. Suddenly, that's all people were talking about. Yeah, yeah. fucking Steve Nash esque pass. Yeah, I was like, well, that <laughs> like that is the that's wasn't. LeBron topic now. I, that wiped all the you know he's trending again, but for something completely different. I'm like, okay, well that's it. That just one pass away. You you are one pass away from getting away with it, with whatever. But I'm telling you, I want to know what Michael Jordan has to say about this, because uh, I feel like he'd say some something so cold, so cold and calculated, you know, uh, not 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 calculated in terms of of artful or or precise. He just it would be about just his business and something about his particular stake in all this, and that's about it. Um, yeah, he he's never had anybody working out his uh his uh statements on social justice because he opted out he just opted out years ago he just said you know what I, i'm not doing this i don't do this stuff and then he was done and then nobody cares nobody cares to ask him except um yeah something about michael jordan i guess intimidates people away from asking him to to push his boundaries i mean when he said what was it years ago he said republicans wear sneakers too and then that was it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That was yep. it. Then he just became not 
part of the discussion for whatever the discussions are. He did come around a couple years Which ago. Is ridiculous because that's such a good quote. If people were smart, they would keep hunting those quotes. Oh, that's this is what I'm saying about a, a, a quote on on China. He would have something so clean and so cold to say about it all, and we just be like, well, that's Jordan. Like he's an asshole, but he's not. He's not pretending to not be an asshole. And then why do people respect that? Why do people respect that enough to leave somebody alone, right? Let's bother the assholes instead of the people who are trying. Stop bothering all the people trying to be good. Shit. Bother the people who don't give a shit. I guess it's a more interesting story to to try to tear good people down than it is to go bad man bad. But I mean, bad man bad has been a leading news story since 2016. Bad man so, bad I mean, is it is default, right? You know, it, it's go back to well, if bad actually, if bad man continues to new to do new bad things, well, I, you got to keep covering it. But let's give Jordan more opportunities to new to do new bad things. Come on, guys! I mean, he's out here shutting down my one of three sources of income. My my. Poor Meek clothing line, the brand new Leroy line, had one day in the sun before Michael Jordan himself shut it down. And people need to know that. People need to know that. That's the kind of man he is. And that kind of that's that's what he cares about in life. Yeah, when Randy Brown was broke and was selling his three championship rings on ebay yeah michael jordan tried to get him at a discount he did he tried to buy all three at a cheaper price that's what he does he finds somebody in a tough spot and squeezes them even harder what kind of guy is that shutting down my brand leroy brand if anybody that's why you just gotta launch it with all the same designs just mirrored and you'll call it url i'm Listen, I'm going, I'm putting something together. I don't know if it's uh, another website that makes shirts or whatever it is, but, or I can do it, just keep, just punch them, push them back out on, uh, yeah, Teespring with uh, just an accent mark on the E or something, but it's happening. <laughs> Layroy. Yeah, lay, lay, yeah, it's happening. Or I'm, or I, I didn't even have, I have, I wanted to do this, but I'm just going to do it now. I'm just going to put a shirt that just has the full name, Leroy Smith. Black shirt, white text, Leroy Smith. That's it. This is it. This is I'm owning the name. If Michael Jordan can go out and do a whole fake campaign with some other man's name, I can do it too. It's in the public domain. Let's do it. Take me to court, Mike. Come on, Mike. Let me take me to court. I'm sure there's wants this uh it wants this smoke. <laughs> and, and this is the day that Emio ended his life. <laughs> Financially. <laughs> and that was the <laughs> This was the last mistake he yeah. ever made. <laughs> never heard from him again. <laughs> and you've got it right here on the midnight edition, the three AM edition that went way too long. Uh it's been a a pleasure speaking to you. Very much so. Oh yeah. As Put this usual. out. Forget as, forget as the always, moratorium, for sure. the week long. Put it out as early as you want. I don't care. We didn't say that much. Uh, I mean, if you uh, want, yeah, if you I'll, ever I'll want, put it out, ever uh, you want evergreen fine. topics or topics that are not uh, dependent on the clock, you know, uh, I've got plenty, plenty of stuff to talk about. Um, 
this is a, oh, yeah. I have an idea. A, you're you're the king of everything evergreen. Thank you. I I hear I have an idea. I don't have any other really means to get this idea. I I wanted I was going to tweet it, but Twitter's just kind of, you know, 12 people are going to say, "Hey, nice." And then that's it. But um, you know, if you can find a place for this. You did you read how Suge Knight signed his life rights away to Ray J? Now that he's in prison, uh Suge Knight, he signed his life rights away to Ray J. Did you hear about that? I have, no, I'm completely uninformed on this. Yeah, Ray J is a, a very smart businessman, by the way. He has made a lot of money, and I recently found... Oh, yeah, man. Raycon ads are inescapable. Let me tell you, I didn't even realize those were his. And I mean, I did. When I did, I said, well, look at that. There you go, Ray J. Him and his, he's got these little bikes that he sells and some other crap. Anyway, point is... He now owns Shug, the Suge Wright identity, which is exactly what I'm talking about with Leroy Smith. The fact that he signed, that Suge Knight can do that, sign his, the, the rights to his story, his name and his life to some other person in the hopes that he can make some money off of it while Suge's in jail. It, that is the exact model that I'm expecting out of this Leroy Smith situation. I believe that Michael Jordan purchased Leroy Smith's life rights. And that's exactly why Leroy Smith no longer goes by Leroy Smith because legally he goes by the name Harvest Smith now, which was his middle name, but it now is in his first name in all legal documents. Harvest Smith. There technically is no Leroy Smith anymore on this earth except in Michael Jordan's uh, advertising budget. So that's what I think. And with that, on a side note, Ray J, first thing Ray J should do is start a Suge Fest. You know how they have like Santa Claus Fest or whatever it is, or when all the people dress up as Santa Claus or Santa Con and stuff like that? Everybody. Of course, yeah. Santa Con's huge. Yeah. Suge Con, where everybody, every big ass, light skinned guy with a beard can show up and do the same shit that they do at Santa Con. Suge Con. There are enough, and this is a couple of meetings in Shugcon too but i feel like there would be there's enough guys that look like that guy or could dress up as him where it would be uh, so much fun and also it's just the idea that suge himself sure they should have a movie suge should have a movie but he he's had a movie the suge character has been played in there was a tupac movie there was a suge character in that there was a biggie movie there was a suge character in that the in the nwa movie had a suge character in that and what's funny is in most of them, it's the same guy who plays Suge in all those movies. So if they make a Suge movie, I hope that guy gets the role. But they've already kind of made it, which has always been kind of astonishing to me. He's been a central figure in all those stories, and he doesn't have his own movie. Suge Khan needs to be a thing. Ray J, if you're listening to the Hustle Points podcast, I'll take like 10% of the door. You know, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> all right man yeah yeah i know i got the uh the eyes and ears of ray j he's a uh, we've been emailing. you might man you might put it out there and then the life rights idea do you think let me just ask you this i need to i need your on the record opinion of this and then i i ha then you i will let you go i promise um do you believe or do you think that that's actually something that happened do you think somebody actually had any input in taking my line down or is this just more wishful storytelling or coincident, lucky coincidental storytelling? Mm -hmm. 
What do you really think? Mm, honestly, kind of a coin flip. Yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm on like 51% that that seems like it's what happened because I, I think I'm just more inclined to believe it because it's more fun that right, way. Right, right. Uh, but it's not like it was in any way overtly some sort of like Nike property ripoff in any kind of distinguishable way, you know, unless you know this very elaborate storyline that that informs it. And it wasn't until after you, you put out that that messaging it was like, haha, I'm using your your shit yeah. that it just it vanished or whatever. So I'm I'm more inclined to believe that that there is some legitimate Nike involved. Okay, good. But good, uh, good, good. it's only slightly. Good. It's only slightly. <laughs> I would hedge this bet. Hard. Okay. Speaking of hedging <laughs> bets, good God, I made the worst hedge bet on I I'm, I've never gambled in my fucking life, so naturally I made a fucking rookie mistake. But I was uh filling out my bet slip oh, no. uh for who's gonna win the championship this year, and I meant to hedge on breaking even by by. Uh, hedging on on the Clippers, and I put it on the Lakers on accident. So just read Los Angeles, and got it mixed up. Big mistake. It the difference is like I would have like made ten dollars if the Clippers win the championship, right. but I'm only gonna like lose twelve dollars if the Lakers <laughs> win the championship. Uh what were their what, what were their odds? What's what what are where were the Lakers? What are their odds? Uh, I got in at plus three sixty, ah. and so. But but I I put down like two ten total across like seven or eight bets. But, but the big money is on the Sixers at plus seven hundred. Oh, for to win it all. Ah, yeah. I was thinking about doing something like that. That's not bad. Not bad. I think you got like negative two hours to put in those bets <laughs> if you want. I think they they close today. I like my little prop and, bets. You know, after the the midnight threshold was crossed. On, on this recording here. The prop bets are where, <laughs> the prop bets are the little, you know, in-game. Um, that's where I, I've unfortunately blown my blown money other than in actual casinos playing blackjack. The You know what the most, the I've probably said this on a video, but the, the, uh, the easiest way to make some quick cash was a prop bet that they used to offer. It was which team in every game. Which team will score first? And a couple of years back, I used to bet every single game, like just a few bucks, 10 bucks or whatever it is, on the Clippers. Because they, it was, unless somebody blew the layup, it was almost a regular occurrence that they came out of the gate. Because DeAndre Jordan would always win the tip. And it would always go right to Chris Paul. And it would end up in some sort of fast break situation back in that was back in Lob City prime days, prime Lob City days. And this prop bet used to just hang out there every game. Who's going to score first? Well, I know who's going to win the tip. And I know these people are gearing up to go right to the rim. So I'm looking for my next prop bet, my next sure thing like that. But if they offer those ones, look for those type of things, you know. So which team is always, which, which, which person always wins the tip? And if that's the case, then you already got a uh, a good bet on your hands. And those ones usually, there's no, um, the lines usually even on those anyway. So you're not, you know, you know, you put your money up, you win your money. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's the kind of stuff you no, gotta look no for. No one's tracking the the rate of first baskets right in the game. Right. So uh, man, even even they have, you know, it's probably different now. But they had a 
uh, like who would score the first three, you know, that kind of stuff. I, I know those ones got to be, those are a little more worked out at this point. But yeah, I'm going to be doing a lot more of that, uh, that sort of involved uh, keeping up with the league through, through little, little gamified things like gambling <laughs> and fantasy and stuff like that. I don't really do, uh, do fantasy for real. I've never played fantasy basketball, but I am playing in the uh, Fast Break Breakfast NBA podcast, iShop, uh, that's International Stackhouse of Pancakes, uh, negative fantasy draft, <laughs> or not draft, but the, the league, but uh, yeah, you get credit for playing bad players. Oh, wow. Uh, that sounds fun. Yeah, like Giannis, Giannis scored like negative 14,000 points last year, <laughs> you know, uh, but like... Uh, that you get points for turnovers, you get points for minutes played, you get points for missed shots. Oh, that's fun. For fouling out, but you get negative points for points made and assists and steals and blocks and rebounds. So naturally, my uh, my first round pick was uh, starting Grizzlies shooting guard Dylan Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> Glad you put your research into that. Yeah. That was good. Right. Right. All right, thank man. you, man. Well, it's been a it's been a lot of fun. We'll we'll do this again sometime, I'm sure. All right, boss, put it out whenever you want. Seriously, not on my not on my behalf. I mean, obviously that other one you have, I'm looking forward to to hearing that other one you have. But um, yeah, there's no hold on this. All right, man, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Like always, this is clearly um, the only podcast that knows basketball. Um, nobody else yes. does. Hashtag YCDKB. Uh, which, oh, before you go, I gotta let you know, I got beef with you, man. Ah! Uh, Chris, Chris Hessen, or Hessen, however you pronounce his last name, uh, <laughs> man who's worked on music in your videos before, he lives in the same city as me now. I've heard, oh. And I've hung out with him a few times, yes. and he showed me this video <gasps> that you made, but did not publish, and I gotta tell you, it was like the perfect NBA storyteller video for all of my opinions, and I'm angry that you did not finish it <laughs> it was <laughs> i say angry i'm definitely stretching the meaning of no, no 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 i need it i need that i need uh, that i need it you know what done done i know i i it just got stuck it got caught in the middle it was stuck in between a couple of other things and it just it just it, the, it was it explains all, the whole ycdkb movement and mm-hmm. it ends with like your hot takes that uh, you know are now like nba storyteller staples yeah. Like man, you don't know. You clearly don't know basketball. And hot takes are like two of my my whole my my jazzes. <laughs> are there multiple jazzes? Yeah, you know, they they don't call the Utah Jazz players a member of the Jazzes. <laughs> they or yeah. So, so. <laughs> but you you see what yeah, I'm you, 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 It was a good video. You got through that. You just need to finish it, man. It you know one. what? Be, that's I need this. It's happening. I know. I know the video. I know exactly where it is too. I'm so glad. All oh, these black market uh, NBA storyteller videos that, that you're seeing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm deep in the lore. <laughs> oh, that's great. All right. Yeah, done. It's happening. Yeah. You heard it here. All right, man. Thank you so much. All right. All right. Much. I'm absolutely you, releasing man. that one. Yeah, should be a layup for you. Last time, from what I saw, it was like 95%. Yeah. Oh, yes, it was. Yes, yes. All right, man. Thank you, sir. See you later, man. Bye.